The information in this podcast is educational and general in nature and does not take into consideration the listener's personal circumstances. Listeners should not act upon the content or information in this podcast without first seeking appropriate individualized advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional. The views expressed in this podcast may change without notice and may differ from those views expressed from other bank personnel. The bank makes no warranty, guarantee, or representation as to the accuracy or sufficiency of the information featured in this podcast. Welcome to the CMB Financial Wellness Show. My name is Harry Gibbs, Assistant Vice President and Manager of the Pittsburgh Office. And on today's episode, we will be talking about estate planning for the 99%. As always, I'm joined by Lori Halen. Lori, tell us and our listeners a little bit about what that title means for our episode today. Sure, Harry. Thanks. So the 99% is basically means that estate planning is for everyone. Uh, And most people would assume it's only for the very wealthy, otherwise known as the 1%. But the truth of the matter is, most people need an estate plan, um, and they also need to keep it updated. And today we're joined by Amy Ertl, who is a vice president and trust officer on our team. Uh, Amy also happens to be an attorney, so she uh, brings with uh, her a lot of credentials um, to her role here at CNB, where she helps our employees uh, and also our clients learn more about the benefits of estate planning and trust administration. So Amy, thanks for being here today. Thank you for having me. So Amy, the first question uh, may sound a little crazy, but what is an estate plan exactly? It's an all-encompassing term. It's going to relate to all of the documents that you use to plan for your incapacity and also your death. It's planning for when you no longer can make decisions for yourself, but also talking about how and to whom your assets pass upon your death. It's going to include such documents as wills, trusts, beneficiary designations, asset titlings, healthcare proxies, and powers of attorney. So naturally, Amy, if you don't have an estate plan, what happens then? Basically, the state is going to decide for you. So each state has its own default laws. These are called the laws of intestacy, and they're going to determine where your assets go. So you should know that your actual wishes are going to be irrelevant. All of your assets are going to be passed by the laws of intestacy, and it's going to go based on what surviving relatives you have. So it's really important to make sure that you have an estate plan in place, but also you wanna make sure that you are updating it whenever you have major changes to your life. So when we talk about major changes, we're looking at changes to your family structure, um, changes to your health, changes to your business, your employment, and whenever you hear about state tax legislation. That's very interesting. That's that's a lot to remember. Um, so, so how is the best way to coordinate beneficiary designations and uh, titling of my assets with my estate plan. I think it's important to understand how they all interact together. So your will, for example, is only going to control assets that are in your name alone. Um, Whereas if you have an asset that has a joint owner, it will automatically pass to the joint owner upon your death. It's not going to go by your estate plan per se. So an example of this would be a joint checking account, say you have with your spouse. If something happens to you, that checking account would pass to the surviving spouse. It's not going to go per the terms of your will. 
The same is true for any asset that is going to have a beneficiary designation. It's going to go directly to the named beneficiary. So common examples of this are on your IRA, 401k plan, or for a life insurance plan. And since this can really cover a large amount of your assets, it's going to be a major part of your estate plan. So you're going to want to make sure that you review them periodically, make sure assets are titled correctly, and make sure that the proper beneficiary designations are in place. And you're going to want to make sure you discuss this with your attorney to make sure that these beneficiary designations match up with your overall estate plan. That's great, Amy. And it feels as though if you cover beneficiary designations and and titling of assets, uh, the natural progression would be how you plan for uh, being incapacitated. Right. So while you're still alive, there's still some planning to be done. So if you're planning to take care of healthcare decisions while you're still alive, um, there's two documents you may want to consider, a healthcare proxy and or a living will. A healthcare proxy is going to name who can make those healthcare decisions for you when you're unable. If you contrast this with a living will, the living will is going to say what you want to happen. Um, so some examples might be, you know, artificial nutrition or resuscitation. So the healthcare proxy is who, and the living will is what, and that kind of covers your healthcare decisions. When it comes to your financial matters for incapacity, you'll likely want to use a durable power of attorney. And this is going to name an agent that can act on your behalf if you're unable to. Um, You may also want to consider a revocable living trust. So this is a little bit um, slightly off topic, but how do you pick that agent? Like like that person? Like what are you looking for? Because obviously these decisions are really important. And so... You know, should you always pick your spouse if you have one or one of your kids if they're more responsible than the other? Like, because sometimes a spouse's both could be incapacitated too, right? So it's going to depend on who's alive and what document you're planning for. So for things like a power of attorney or a healthcare proxy, you're going to want to choose someone that you trust to make healthcare decisions for you. And you want to make sure that that person can use substituted judgment. So they're not making the decisions they want to make. They're making the decisions you would have want made for yourself. Yeah, the reason I brought it up is I, I've been through this, and uh, I can tell you it was really hard because I was the person, <laughs> and uh, I just know how much falls on your shoulders. And so I think it's just important to stress you got to pick the right person because um, it's a lot of responsibility. And same with same with for the the next question that I have for you, you know, what if what if you have kids uh, who are minors? How do you plan for them? So this is a great question that we get all the time, and there's multiple ways to plan for minor children. I think one of the biggest things is to make sure that you're naming a guardian under your will. And there's different types of guardians. So there's guardian of the property, This will be the person that will have physical custody of your child. They'll be the ones making those kind of like personal care decisions, those health care decisions, and raising your child. That's usually the one that parents identify as the most important. Uh, (laughs) um, But you're also going to want to make sure that you take care of the financial side of providing for the children. So this is why you can name a guardian of the property. It can be the same person or it can be a different person, and they would manage the money and the property that you're leaving to your children. 
Um, another substitute to that kind of guarding of the property that a lot of people do is they use trust in their estate plan. And this is a great way to plan for your children. It can basically help safeguard your assets for your children. And you can even put certain parameters around it, like age attainment language. So for an example, a trust might say something like, my trustee can use these funds for my child's health, education, and support. You can say the child may receive one half at a certain age, like 30, and the remainder at 35. So obviously those specific terms can be tailored to whatever your desire is for your plan. But what it's really doing is it's a vehicle that can allow you to provide a detailed plan for asset management and kind of distribution guardrails for your children. The last tip I would say on planning for minor children is to make sure you check your insurance coverage, um, life insurance. You'll want to protect your children by having enough to pay off your debts, but also have funds available to provide for their living expenses and provide for their education. Thanks, Amy. And I think important for us to kind of reestablish this topic of ours and that estate planning for the 99%. Sometimes the vocabulary around estate planning can be intimidating. I think irrevocable trust would be an appropriate one to say, what is that? I am part of the 99% and I have never heard of it. So tell us what that is and why it could be important. Yes, it, it's actually more simple than people make it out to be. Um, a trust is just allowing you to leave instructions as to who, what, when and how your assets are managed after your death and to whom they're distributed. So you're really making a plan and choosing a team of advisors that's going to work with your family after passing. And it's not only for the 1%. There's so many reasons people may want to use a trust. Um, You know, we see it all the time. There's, you know, maybe someone's planning for a beneficiary that has disabilities and, you know, they want to protect their government benefits. Maybe there's concerns about divorce or remarriage in a family. Or maybe you're trying to protect the beneficiary from themselves. Maybe they have substance abuse or gambling problems that you want to help protect them. Or maybe it's just helping an individual who doesn't know how to handle their financial affairs. It could be age, it could be their maturity level, or maybe they just need a little bit extra help. Um, Or maybe you're worried about bankruptcy, or they need protection against lawsuits or or creditor protection. So it can be used for any variety of reasons, um, really to help protect and manage for longevity. The next question I would have thinking that through is, obviously, if you have a trust, um, you need a trustee, right? So someone to look after that. And that that can be an individual or it can be a fiduciary, such a corporate fiduciary, such as a bank, for example. Um, So in addition to that, um, if you do have a trust, you have to appoint a trustee. um, But all estates also have to have something called an executor correct? Uh, So what's the difference between the two? 
So just as a helpful tip, executor and trustee are both commonly referred to as fiduciary. That way, kind of helping out the glossary of terms for our listeners. So they're both referred to as fiduciaries, and they play a lot of the same role. But there are some delineation between the two of them. So an executor is going to be appointed under a will, and they're going to be responsible for collecting all of the assets of the decedent. They call it marshalling the assets. They may have to sell certain assets. They'll have to pay the final debts and expenses of the decedents, file any necessary tax returns, and then ultimately distribute the assets to the final beneficiaries as named under the will. Um, Generally, this is going to be a more short-term role, probably only around a year, give or take. You contrast that with a trustee. That's the person that's named under a trust document, um, a trust agreement, or under a trust that's created under a will. And their key role is, again, to manage a trust for longevity. They're going to manage the assets, and then they're going to make distributions to beneficiaries based on the language you've included in your trust document. So in contrast, a trustee's role could last for many, many years. That's a lot for one person to do in both those cases. Um, I, I know I, I've been an executor. Uh, I know that uh, having a good attorney as a partner is really helpful in that role. Um, so definitely there was a lot to do. I, I think the most challenging thing, at least for me, was cleaning out the house. <laughs> um, there was uh, my parents' house, and it was uh, about 56 years or so of accumulated stuff of my parents and four kids, uh, on five acres of land, which which also had a lot of stuff. So having been through that, I can honestly tell you that uh, having help is a really good thing. So seeking professional help is uh, definitely a good idea. So along those lines, when you're picking an executor or trustee, like the question I asked earlier, um, kind of uh, what, what, do you, what should I look for if I'm looking for somebody uh, to do that for me? Make sure it's someone you trust. That's the biggest thing. You have to trust whoever you've named to manage your assets and make the distributions. Um, Like you said before, it can be an individual or it can be a corporation. So Canandaigua National Bank and Trust Company works as a professional fiduciary. You know, we have the resources to, to help you with that clean out or to help you connect with the right advisor to settle something like an estate. Um... You really need to know what the roles entail in order to choose the right person. You know, we already talked about what an executor does, what a trustee does, but really know that they're going to bear a lot of responsibility for doing investments, for doing accountings, and doing tax filings during their tenure. So understanding all that goes into it is really important. It's not a reward or a prize to name someone as a fiduciary. It comes with a lot of work. So you want to make sure that they're up to the challenge. Um, Another characteristic you really want to think about when choosing the right executor or trustee is who can work collaboratively? You know, there's, like we said, there's so many different pieces that go into this. You know, can they interact with your attorney? Can they interact with your accountant? What about your financial advisor? But more importantly, do they interact well with your family? You know, this is ultimately what you're doing it for, to take care of your loved ones. Um, Other factors you might want to consider are, you know, their maturity, their age level. You know, are they going to be older than you when you pass away or younger than you? What, What would you really prefer? 
What's their level of financial knowledge? Are they going to be able to navigate this? Do they have any trust in a state experience? And if they're going to be a trustee, are they going to be able to act objectively? Amy, we are grateful for your your expertise on this topic. And we like to close our episodes by speaking to next steps for those who are listening. So if you were to kind of summarize our conversation today, what would you say are some top-level things that the 99% can do to enter this uh, estate planning topic? Like Lori had introduced, this is not just for the wealthy. Having an estate plan is for everyone. And ultimately, you want to make sure that your wishes are effectuated. You want to take care of your loved ones, and you want to do it in the cleanest possible manner. You want to be able to lay this out ahead of time. So to get started, your next steps would be talking to, you know, a financial advisor, you know, check up on those beneficiary designations, see what their suggestions are. Or, you know, if you're at CNB, talk to a trust officer. They have the history, they have the understanding of this, or going right ahead and finding an attorney that you're going to trust to help you shepherd this along the way. And I will always give the caveat that you should find a trust in a state attorney. Um, rather than just a general practitioner because there are so many nuances in this field. Amy, a fantastic job explaining to our listeners what to prepare for and what to expect with estate planning uh, for those 99% and even the 1% that hopefully have listened as well. Thank you for your time. Uh, Thank you, Lori, as well. And until next time, this has been the CMB Financial Wellness Show. Thanks for listening.